Now then, welcome to the Social Media Podcast. I'm Simon Scholes, as always, uh, founder and creative director of Perception Studios, the award-winning visual marketing agency. And today we are back on the interview trail, chatting to different brands and businesses around the world about what they do themselves and also how they include social media in that too. Uh, So today, really, really interesting interview with Mr. Productivity himself, Mark Struczewski. So let's have a listen. The Social Media Podcast with Simon Scholes. Tips, hints, and great content ideas. Hi, Mark. How are you? I am fantastic, sir. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Now, I would have said your surname, but it could be <laughs> a multiple different ways. I'll try it, see if I get it right. Strukzuski? Not even close. Not even close, <laughs> yeah. Well, you were kind of close. You got the ski right. It's pronounced <laughs> stru Chesky. So the C E W it's pronounced like the game that we all love and get aggravated over. I, I should I should have known that I had a friend at school who was Rakeski and it was kind of the same way, but it's still completely <laughs> left my mind. So, Mark, the first question that I ask everybody who I speak to is imagine right now we're at a networking event, B and I, because I know that's an international brand, and you stood up, you're about to give you a sixty second pitch. What is it you say? Well, mine doesn't even take 60 seconds because I realize people's time and attention is very limited. And so I tell people I help people be productive in a distracted world. What made you get to that stage and what made you get to that point where you're going, right, Okay, I know people don't have a a long attention span. This is what I'll do. Well, I actually kind of stumbled into the wonderful world of being Mr. Productivity. And that's a moniker that was given to me someone, uh, by someone on LinkedIn. In July of 2005, I was fired from my job here in Houston at the local hospital. And so I decided to try to become an entre- on, entrepreneur. That's what that word is. <laughs> and so at first I started to be a wedding and portrait photographer. I didn't want to be one. I just wanted the really cool gear. But one of the things that came out of that was my love of public speaking. Now, in university and in school, I didn't want to speak in front of an empty room. But now you can't get me to shut up, as is evident you'll find <laughs> out in the show. And so I went to one of my friends. They, they guided me on how to be a professional speaker. And then I decided, well, I didn't want to talk about photography anymore because I didn't have the photography business. So what am I going to talk about? Well, a couple topics I came up with, which are I'm embarrassed to admit now, was from hopeless to hopeful. I don't know where I came up with that one. <laughs> Another one was how to overcome roadblocks on your path to success. Note to self, when you're not successful, don't tell people how to become successful. So one day I'm on a phone call with one of my coaches and I was having a down day. I just, I was really blue and he goes, what's going on? I said, well, you know, I really love speaking and training and helping people, but I don't know what I should talk on. He goes, well, why don't you talk on productivity? And I said to him, I said, well, I don't know where that came from, but why would you say that? He says, because you're one of the most successful people I know at being productive. He says, you're naturally productive. You need to share that gift for the world. And that gave birth into my world, my love of productivity. And as I went along, I realized that productivity is a ginormous umbrella. And one day I was walking around someplace. I don't even remember where I was. And I realized everyone's looking at their phones and they're so distracted. And I'm like, wait a minute. What if I just help people become more productive in our distracted world? And that kind of like was my niche. So although I can help people with time management and all those other aspects of productivity, I really focus on distractions because we, Simon, are so distracted with everything between our phones and social media and you know streaming video and sports and everything is going on. 
we're not getting things done because we're so distracted. So that brings me to ask them, what, what do you think are the most common distractions for people? Obviously, you've already mentioned social media, which we'll come to a little bit later on. But what else kind of stuff do people try and procrastinate to do something else instead of the work they should be well, doing? The, the top five uh, distractions I have the determined, which are in no order, they're going to be different for everyone, are the social media, email, people, those other human beings on the planet, entertainment, which is like Netflix, Hulu, Fortnite, and stuff like that, and us in our mindset. So those are the big five I've identified. Okay. And so, so you say people. So what do you mean by that? Is it kind of like conversations over the, the water cooler, or do you mean something different? Well, I mean, like you're trying to work in your office and someone, a coworker walks in and says, Hey, Simon, you got five minutes, but you're in the middle of a project and you can't stop. Or you get people calling you like telemarketers. I don't know if they have this problem over where you are. Oh, very telemarketers much so. are, are crazy. So every time your phone rings or buzzes or chimes, it's distracting your focus and people go, well, I just ignore it. No, because what happens is the way the brain is designed and by no means am I a neuroscientist, but as soon as your brain hears something like the chime of a text message on your phone, it, it wants to know what that is. So you could try to ignore it, but your brain's like a little child going, but it could be really important. It could be the leader of the free world trying to call you or, <laughs> or text you. And that's the way our brains are wired. That's why I tell people, if you need to study, you need to go in an environment where it's quiet or maybe put some like white noise, white noise music or maybe the sound effects like uh, thunderstorms or, or waves or something because you need to really – make sure the brain can't hear other things so you can focus. You cannot focus with the TV on the radio on people talking, traffic going by because your brain's like, Oh, look at all this activity. And so that's what I mean by, by people. Uh, you, we have been a people pleasing society for many years. Most of us are, but if you look at the high performers in our world, they say no a lot and yeah. we need to say, no, I can't help you right now. I'm working on something. And that's what I mean by human beings. So, and I was actually chatting about this this morning actually with somebody, and I, can, I think it kind of ties in. Um, so when it comes to things like meetings in the workplace, a lot of places obviously have meetings for meetings sake, and you sit down and you're, you're there for three hours for no reason whatsoever, Some, a meeting that could have been done in 15 minutes. So do you go into businesses and help them understand that they shouldn't be doing that and they should be looking at maybe having meetings stood up and that kind of stuff? I do. I do not feel a need for meetings 95% of the time. When I used to work for the corporate world, I would go to a meeting and it was more like a social gathering networking event for the first 15 minutes. People show up late, they get coffee, they get a drink, they get a Danish, they sit down, they chit chat. And it's like, okay, that's 15 minutes that I could have been working at my job. And then they come in, then they review their agenda. Why wasn't that emailed to everybody? <laughs> then they review the minutes from last meeting. Why wasn't that emailed? And so we just wait so much time. The meeting doesn't start for 35 minutes. And then it goes, always goes longer. And I think, I say, first of all, get rid of the beverages. Okay, you get that from the cafeteria. You're not going to be here for eight hours. If you have an eight-hour meeting, that's different, but that's called a training workshop. <laughs> then I, I, I'm a big favor of a standing meeting. A lot of sales companies have standing meetings. Hospitals have it as shift, shift change. You know, they don't get all, all the doctors and nurses don't get chairs and sit down. They, they meet in the main area. They tell them what's going on with the patients, and they leave. I think when you have a standing meeting, number one, it's going to be shorter. No one's going to stay in that long. Number two you need to start meetings on time and end as early as possible because people have work to do. I think a lot of people who go to meetings 
don't need to be in meetings. I mean, who really needs to be in the meeting? I think people are overcompensating. They're inv- they're inviting way more people than need to be invited, and they need to push, pull back, and go. Okay, do what Steve Jobs did. I, I remember reading the story, and uh, Walter Isaacson wrote a book about Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah. And they were doing a meeting where talking about an iPad or iPhone or something like that, and he noticed that there's a girl there who he didn't recognize. He goes, what are you doing here? And he goes, well, she goes, well, my boss invited me. He goes, we won't be needing you. And very awkwardly, she had to get herself and get up and leave. He only wanted people in the meeting who had, who needed to be there. A lot of people were holding meetings are inviting way too many people. And just look at, you invite one person from the department and that person can go tell the rest of the department. You don't need the whole department in most cases, in my opinion. Yeah, or, or they're trying to hold a meeting just to try and make themselves look busy, which is something I came across a lot in the past in yes. my corporate life. Definitely. Yes. Um, so moving on a little bit, obviously I mentioned procrastination very, very briefly a moment ago. So what do you find, obviously you've said what are the most biggest distractions are they also the way people procrastinate as well they're like i can't be bothered to work so i'll go and talk to somebody or i'll go on social media or or what have you the root of procrastination in my opinion is that you're not doing what you love to do where you love to do it that's the whole crux of productivity so if you love accounting but you don't like the two-hour train ride into your city and you don't like your boss, you don't like the wallpaper, you don't like the coworkers, you're never going to be your most productive self and you're going to start doing things that aren't related to your job known as procrastination. So I think is when you get doing what you love to do, where you love to do it, when you get that stuff straightened out, you won't procrastinate because now you're in an environment that's going to be conducive for your productivity. So do you have any good tips for, for the people listening right now how they could potentially stop procrastinating other than get them into a job that they actually love, which is obviously probably number one? Yes. Well, what I encourage them to do is when they are facing a time of procrastination and they catch themselves. See, the thing is you got to catch yourself. Immediately you go, oh, wait a minute. I'm not being productive right now. Stop. Why am I not doing what I need to do? And then actually get a notebook and actually write your thoughts down. There's something powerful from taking those stories out of your head and putting them down in your own handwriting on a piece of paper. But you got to do it the moment you start procrastinating. If you're supposed to do task A or project A and you start surfing Facebook, why? What is it about that task you don't want to do? And most people just go, I don't know. Well, no, you, that's not an answer. You have to figure out what is it about that. Because if you can find out what that problem is, then you can solve the problem. For example, let's say you have to design a spreadsheet, but you hate spreadsheets. And so you're spending time on Facebook at work instead of being doing the, uh, the spreadsheet. But here's an idea. Maybe Sally down the hall lives, breathes, and dreams about spreadsheets. Maybe you go down there and say, hey, Sally, um, I've been tasked with a spreadsheet, and I hate spreadsheets. I break out in highs. Oh, she'd probably say, give it to me. I'll do it. So, you know, you got to find out why you are procrastinating. And most people, Simon, don't stop and say, okay, why am I procrastinating right now? What is going on? What What am I feeling? What am I thinking? Yeah. What are my emotions right now? They just go to Facebook or go to YouTube or go to Twitter and they don't stop and, and write their thoughts down and journal them because then if you do that, you're going to be able to look back and go, okay, every time this happens, I procrastinate. Oh, I'm seeing a pattern here. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And so what do you suggest for people who maybe are solopreneurs 
don't have a massive income, can't afford to then maybe outsource that kind of work, do you suggest maybe getting a group of people to hold you accountable? Or is there anything that you've got in mind for that? Yes. The exercise I always give my clients is called the O-Day exercise, which stands for outsource, delegate, eliminate, and automate. What I encourage people to do over a two-day period is write down everything you do for your business. Okay. I don't want you to edit it. I don't want you to judge it. I don't want you to do anything. Just write it down. Hmm. And then on the third day, you put the list aside, pretend it doesn't exist. On the fourth day, schedule one hour in your schedule, pull that list out and go, okay, which of these things can I outsource? If you can't outsource, hey, still do the exercise, still put an O next to it. What of these things can I delegate? Put a D next to it, even if you can't do it yet. Yeah. Here's the important thing. What can be automated? And finally, my favorite letter, what can be eliminated? And then you start outsourcing, delegating, automating, eliminating, and then you're going to have less things to do. You're going to release that burden that you have on your shoulders. Now, even if you have no money, you can still do this exercise because what it's going to do, again, it's in your handwriting, so don't use your phone or your tablet. Do it in your own handwriting on a piece of paper. It's going to bring things to light because what happens is we tell ourselves story. Oh, it's not that bad. I'm not that busy. I'm really busy. I'm really productive. But if we actually write these things down, we're like, we may find out five things. We're like, why am I even doing these things? Because <laughs> you've always done them, but by you writing them down and now you review them, we're like, yeah, why am I doing A, B, C, D, and E? Uh, yeah, I'm going to stop doing them. Now you've freed up time. But what happens is we keep everything in our brains, and we don't pass that. Uh, we don't do anything with that. We're just like, oh, yeah, okay. But if, when you write it down, something magical happens. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I like that a lot. It's it's kind of one of those things where people always say, have a notebook next to your bed because the best ideas happen when you're asleep. You wake up and you're like, Oh, I better get that down, and you've got nothing to do it, and you go back to sleep and forget it completely. So no, that's I, actually I like one that. of my, that's actually one of my biggest productivity tips. I tell people when they ask me what's my biggest productivity tip is, whenever a thought enters your mind, you capture it. If you're driving, as far as I know, every country in the world, you can pull over to the side of the road, you can record it, pull off the freeway, go to a parking lot. If you're in the car with someone, tell them to text you the idea. You got to capture the idea immediately because like you just said, later on, you're like, oh, I had that great idea for a blog post. What was it again? Because you didn't capture it. You said, oh, I surely I won't forget. Yeah, you're going to forget that most important thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Most people will say, oh, you remember? And I'll, no, I've slept since then. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, you've also mentioned email there. Um, a, a big way, obviously, a lot of people try and control their email box, especially when they come back off holidays, is just control, alt, delete, and get rid of everything. How, how would you attack something like email? Because it is something people do keep going, oh, I'll just quickly check and see if I've got another email, and they do it. And then they, 10 minutes later, oh, I'll just check and see if I've got another email. How, how would you control your email inbox? Well, we have a game here at the carnivals. I don't know if they have them over there in England um, called Whack-A-Mole. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's what your email is. So you go into your email and you knock out one email and seven emails pop up. And so most people's inboxes is, are, is totally out of control. Mine is not. And the reason why mine is not is I have a very unique email address, as you know, which mm -hmm. I don't give to many, too many people. A lot of people make the mistake when they be going to business, they get info at domain, president at, CEO at, their name at, and all the spammers know this. And so everyone's buying and selling your email address, and that's what one of the, part of the problem. So get yourself a unique email address, number one. Number two, if your email 
box is out of control, realize you didn't get out of control overnight. It's going to take you time to get it back into control. So use the power of unsubscribe. Yes, it's going to take you a while. Every, now, I know in Europe and Canada and America, here in America, we've got really strict rules from people. You have to be able to unsubscribe with one click. Yeah. But if you've got a really colossal mess in your hand, it's going to take time. But what you do the next email you get from whatever store you signed up for, you unsubscribe. So that's one email you won't get. Here's another newsletter you don't read. Unsubscribe from that one. Eventually, it could take days, weeks, months, whatever. Eventually, you'll clean up an inbox. Control-Alt-Delete or control Select-All-Delete-Archive, that doesn't solve the problem because those emails are going to keep coming. It's a behavior issue. Um, and I encourage people, when it comes to email, don't spend a lot of time in your email. Maybe in the morning, maybe at lunchtime, maybe in the evening, just check it from time to time. Don't set the expectations that you're always going to be there for their email. Because once you set the expectation, everybody expects it. And then when your business explodes, then everybody turns around and go, well, I'm, I'm used to getting emails from Simon in 30 minutes. Now you've got 4,000 clients and you can't do it anymore. So be very careful of setting expectations. Even if you're at your email, in your email program, and you get an email and you reply to it right away, don't reply to it right away. Stop yourself. Go, oh, take your hands off the keyboard and go, no, even though I could answer it right now, I'm not going to because that sets the expectation that I'm going yeah. to respond very quickly. They just happen to email you when you're in your inbox. But next time they may email you when you just got out of your inbox and to wait six hours. And so you got to train yourself not always to reply to emails right away. Now, of course, this is a, uh, a decision you have to make, but I really encourage people to really refrain from responding immediately. Let's say that's a dangerous precedence. No, I like that. No, that's good. Um, so something I was taught when I very first started business, and I'm, I'm sure this is something you probably talk to your customers and clients about, I'd be very surprised if you didn't, is obviously having a, a plan in place for your day. Do you work with people on things like a default diary? Is that, is that an essential part of what you train people with? I'm a big planner. And, and I tell people, your day actually starts first thing in the morning. So for the first 60 minutes, one of the things I, I, received, I got from uh, Brendan Burchard, one of the high-performance trainers in the world, is don't check your phone the first hour. Don't check email. Don't check social media. Don't check the news. You should never check the news. It's never good news. Anyways, it's make, anyway. <laughs> make that first, first hour yours. And I plan my day. Now, I use a physical planner, and I convert that to my iPhone. But again, it goes back to I'm 54 years young, and it, there's something powerful about writing your plan out in the morning. So I use Brendan Burchard's High Performance Planner, and in the morning, it's got morning prompts, it's got evening prompts, it's got a place for the planner. Across the top, it asks you what your big three objectives for the day, what are your tasks, you know, who do you really want to show up with today? Like today, mine says, I want to show up for you and your audience. Yeah. And Going through the motions of actually writing this down, not on your phone, <laughs> but actually in writing, it actually goes, okay, what, okay, here are my big three. How do I fit that in my day? And then once you get that done, then you put it over onto your, your, uh, your smartphone calendar. But I, so it all starts with planning. I tell people what gets scheduled has a more likelihood of getting it done. And so we got to take the things we need to do out of our head. And instead we need to put them on and the planner, and then in our phone, we need to be very intentional with every minute we spend. Absolutely. Now, I like that. And I, I get from everything you're saying that um, obviously writing things down is a big, big thing for you as well. Yes. 
<laughs> so because you know, the emotions aren't really there when you're entering it on your phone. Yeah, it's not really there. It's just your thumbs. Your brain's not really activating. But when you're actually sitting there with your plan and you're writing it out, now it, it means more to your brain. You've got to think about it a little bit more. It's that process yes. you've got to think about. So moving into the digital aspect and that kind of thing, and obviously you've already mentioned it. People's heads down in the phones all the time and and that kind of stuff. So social media. It's obviously an interesting area at the moment. How do you approach social media? Well, there's two aspects of social media. There's consuming and there's actually posting to build your business or brand. Mm -hmm. So let's talk really briefly about consuming. First of all, limit the time you're spending consuming social media. And what you have to do, because I'm sure your audience is very smart and realizes that social media is designed to keep you on the platform until you die. Okay. They don't want to ever, ever leave. That's why it's endless scrolling. And so you've got to set yourself up for success. How do you do that? One of the ways is go get every phone's got a timer on it. Okay. So go get a timer and go out to the app store and buy the most horrible, awful sounding alarm. Don't get something like chimes or angels wings, get something really annoying and then set the timer. I wouldn't do more than 30 minutes at a time. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking consuming social media, not building your brand. And then I would set the timer and then go on Facebook, go on YouTube, go on Twitter, whatever your case may be. And when the timer goes off, you stop, not five more minutes. You stop. The other thing you could do if you're a planner like me, now I don't spend a lot of time consuming on social media, but let's say I have a podcast interview from 12 to 12.30, and then from 12.30 to 1, I'm going to spend time on social media, but at 1 o'clock, I've got something else to do. So at 1 o'clock, my phone goes off and says, hey, you got this other thing to do. If you don't have something to stop you, that's where people spend hours and hours on social media because there's nothing stopping them except for maybe passing out from being fatigued. But you've got to set yourself up either with a timer or the calendar alert for your next task. Otherwise, you'll be on social media for a lot longer than you anticipated. You see, I've got a, I've got a product idea for you right now. You should release little um, audio snippets of you saying, "Hey, get <laughs> off all social media right now." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> so, g- going into the business side of it, then, um, how how do you use social media yourself for the business? Obviously, it's something you're passionate about. People not spending a lot of time on, but then you've got the other aspect of, well, this is where the attention is. How do I speak to people? If you've got a business and brand, you got to be on social media. I mean, McDonald's is on social media. Coca-Cola is on social media. Disney World's on social media. So you've got to be on social media, but you got to do it strategically. I mean, we're in the year 2019. People on social media are very smart. They don't want to be pitched to. So you've got to give massive value. So whenever I'm posting on social media, I'm always figuring out, okay, how can I offer value to people? And it takes some time. You've got to figure out what do your audience want to learn. You just can't go on there and just go, I'm just going to talk about anything because then people aren't going to follow you. You're not going to get any business from it. So it goes back to what I said earlier. You've got to be very intentional about how you spend time on social media. Second thing is, where's your tribe? If your tribe is on Twitter, you should spend most of your effort on Twitter. Now, you should be on all platforms if you're trying to grow your business Mm. and your brand. Mine is on LinkedIn, so I spend the vast majority of my time on LinkedIn. That's where my people are. But if yours is on another platform like Facebook, be on Facebook. It's not that difficult to figure it out. Um, I I like what Tony Robbins says, and this is kind of a general uh, tip, is you find success leaves clues. So you need to find out who's doing what you want to do and then model what they're doing. So 
like like I'm I kind of do what Tony Robbins does. And so I find out what he's doing on social media. What content is he pushing out? And I'm not copying him. I'm just saying, okay, that's the, the kind of road I want to go to. Also, Gary Vaynerchuk and Grant Cardone and Brenda Burchard. So I'm always looking at these people and like, okay, what are they doing? I'm not looking at the unsuccessful real estate agent from Wisconsin. <laughs> I'm looking at the people who are very successful and figuring out, okay, what are they doing? So I'm always trying to always trying to stand out. For example, one of the things I do on my podcast that no one else does as far as I know is I interview a guest on one day and I release their episode the next day. Most people say, well, your episode will be out in four to six weeks. The reason why I do this is because now they're really excited. They were just on the show. Now I released their episode. Now, do I have to do that? No, but I'm trying to stick out. I'm not a Tony Robbins. I'm not a Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm trying to stick out. So I'm trying to do little things that people go, wow, this guy's a little different. Than everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, your episode will be out this Friday. <laughs> oh, excellent. Good for you. <laughs> Which is awesome. So before I, I look to, to wrap things up, just going back over everything that we've done, what would you say are your top tips to help people be more productive in their day-to-day working life? Number one, like I already said, get the stuff out of your head as soon as it enters your mind. Number two, always tell your time where to go instead of wondering where it went. Plan your day the night before or the very latest, the morning of. Don't be reactive. Don't go, well, whatever happens, happens. No, be intentional. Be intentional about that first 60 minutes of your day. Don't grab your phone. I got news for you, Simon. No one listening to this podcast, including you and me, are that important. We don't have to check in on social media. Mark Zuckerberg's not going to come to our house and say, how come we didn't check in on Facebook today? <laughs> you need to figure out what your big three is, and every productivity expert talks about this. What do you really need to do today? What is going to move the needle? And a lot of people, Simon, they don't do that. They yeah. just are reactive all day long. You need to spend time going, okay, what do I need to do today that's going to move the needle? Um Messing around with your on your Facebook page? Maybe, maybe not. Surfing stupid cat videos on YouTube? Probably not. So you need to figure out what do you need to do every day. And it, these things are really simple things to do, but people are overlooking them. They're 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 trying to make the compl- the simple complex. Being productive is really simple. Stop making it so complex. Yeah, it's not a science. And I did just one thing that just leapt into my mind then as well is swallow the frog. Do that thing that you you don't want to do. Get it out of the way. If you can't outsource it, get it done. You know, it's interesting. I actually wrote an article on Thrive Global about this, that the article is, you know, everybody says you do the most important thing first thing in the morning. And I said, "Mm, yes and no. If morning is your optimal time of day, then yes. But if your optimal time is two o'clock in the afternoon, then do your most critical piece of work then. Because you want to do your best work and your best products at the best time. Now, what you said, doing the thing you hate the most, yeah, just rip the bandage off and just do it. Because guess what? The longer you wait, the more difficult it's going to be. And you're going to keep pushing it off and pushing it off and pushing it off. Just rip the bandage off and just get it done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. I, I, to be fair, we could have probably gone for two or three hours, but 30 minutes is probably enough. <laughs> um, but if people want to find you, where can they find you online? 
The easiest thing to do is go to mrproductivity.com. Mr. is all spelled out. You will be redirected to my website, markstuchowski.com. You're welcome. There, you can sign up for my seven-day productivity challenge. You give me two minutes a day for a week. I will give you simple strategies to become more productive. You can also find out information about my productivity coaching. You can find out about my podcast. And you can get all the links to where I am on social media all at mrproductivity.com. Fantastic. And I will put the links in the description so you can find it dead easily as well. Mark, thank you so much for chatting to me. Simon, this has been an absolute thrill to serve you and your audience. Thank you so much. Have a great day. This was a Perception Studios production.